The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato. Sports columnist for the Commercial Appeal. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munz, our Tiger basketball beat writer. He just touched ground back in Memphis, having returned from Orlando. The Tigers suffered a 107-104 double overtime loss at UCF. It was a exciting and excruciating um you know, moments where Memphis looked fantastic and moments where, you know, they melted down ultimately, uh, blowing an 11-point lead in the final five minutes of regulation, uh, wasting a 42-point performance by Kendrick Davis that, let's be honest, even he admitted shouldn't have been a 42-point performance because the game shouldn't have gone to overtime and 19 of his points came in overtime or double overtime. Um, and it leaves the Tigers at 2-2 two and two in league play. 12 and five overall. Um, and a lot of the uh, goodwill, if you will, of non-conference play uh, has been uh, has been kind of uh, chipped away at by this sluggish start to conference play. And now, uh, as I phrased it in my column up at commercialpill.com, they're back at a place where they said they didn't want to be this year. And that's squarely on the bubble, looking at a two-month run here where they're going to have to, you know, really scratch and claw to make sure they're returning to the NCAA tournament. Um, Jason, all that being said, um, what was it like in the arena for that game? Obviously it was a pro UCF crowd, looked like a good crowd. Um, but as you were watching it unfold, uh, what were you thinking about, uh, you know, both the way Memphis took a punch and really played some good basketball there for a while. Looked a lot like the team that beat Auburn there for a while. And then the way they kind of just blew it and gave the game away ultimately at the end. Well, I don't, I mean, I, I'd like to, first of all, uh, push back a little bit on the fact that they gave the game away. Let's, I mean, UCF deserves some credit here, right? They, they, they knocked down the three pointers. A lot of them were wide open, yes, and that is on Memphis. But a lot of them, you know, some of them weren't. Uh, you know, they blocked the shots. There was the block uh, on Keontae Kennedy's shot, um, and you know, like they're the ones who walled up Kendrick Davis along the sideline, and and, and ultimately benefited from the referee's decision with forty seconds left in regulation to swallow their whistles so that that's my first take is that uh is that ucf does deserve some credit but in the building last night um it was yeah i mean like i i distinctly when they went down 19 to 6 just straight away boom 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 and they're down 13 points on the road against a really good team I said it out loud in the moment. They're done. They're toast. Memphis is cooked. Like there was no way I could have been convinced by anyone that they were going to not only get back into the game, but 
be up double digits with five or so minutes left to go five and change. Uh, like there was no convincing me of that based on what we have seen in, in recent, in recent weeks. Like, yeah, okay. They got down to East Carolina and they rattled off a 22 0 run, got back and won that game by 10, but that's at home and that's East Carolina. Okay. So, and, and then the same thing with, with, uh, uh, South Florida at home, South Florida. This is on the road, hostile crowd, really good crowd. I mean, really good crowd. Like the student section was, was really, really good. Um, and, and the crowd as a whole, I think they announced like 6,000 and some like 6,200 or so, um, you know, which is, which is, I, I think, I think by UCF standards, that's pretty good. Uh, I think they have a tough time drawing drawing fans there. I mean, their coach openly was talking about it before the game. Uh, one of the players they brought to, or I think both the players they brought to the postgame media, Taylor Hendricks and CJ Kelly, both were, you know, commenting about how that needs to be more the standard in Orlando than than the exception. Um, so, so the, yeah, the crowd was great, uh, but like it was very very. You know, I was surprised that they got back into the game um, the way they did. And then ultimately, I wasn't surprised necessarily when the slope began to get really slippery. You know, like it, it, it they, they, I mean, Memphis melted down essentially. Um, Keontae Kennedy's shot gets blocked, UCF goes and gets a bucket. Uh, Alex Lomax misses a jumper. UCF goes and gets a bucket. Demaria Franklin misses a layup. Good look at the basket. That was that was the one that felt like the the real killer. You could you had a chance to go back up by seven there with under three minutes to go, and instead UCF quickly comes back down the court, gets a bucket, and it's a three point game with like two minutes forty something seconds left. Like that that was the the to me. Yeah. I look at the Frank because that was just a point blank layup that he missed. That was the one that was a real killer. But I, I don't know. I because it, it's hard to reconcile what happened because again, for like 28 minutes, the last 13 minutes of the first half and the first 15 minutes of the second half, they looked like the NCAA tournament team we thought they were three or four weeks ago. Um, well, they played great. You're right. And here, like, let's 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 hammer that point home here. UCF came into this game averaging a scoring defense of 60.0 points per game. That's what they're averaging given up. They're playing Missouri. They're playing Oklahoma State. They're playing Houston. They're playing you know, Miami. other good teams who score, yeah. uh, who score points. And if you take away their double overtime uh, uh, game against UNC Asheville where they gave up 95 or 98 points in the season opener like you take one game away the first game of the season and their their scoring defense is like it drops to like 57 or 58 points a game and memphis had 65 points with 10 minutes left in the game so like give again memphis deserves a lot of credit for what they did offensive for what it did offensively last night kendrick davis was phenomenal 
Well, well, I want to, I want to, I want to get to that point you're making though. That was my biggest problem with what happened is the way they got the lead, which was speeding up UCF and getting the tempo, like a playing a fast tempo, which UCF didn't want to do, and it helped them score all those points. The last five minutes, they went into like a prevent, essentially. They took their foot off the gas pedal. They started just force-feeding the ball into the post to DeAndre Williams and really slowing down the tempo, and they did it way too soon. And when you combine it with, as Penny put it, we couldn't get a stop when we wanted to, um, that's what led to the collapse. Like, that's what bothered me more than anything is kind of the – you know, ex- the execution, if you will, the strategic execution. Um, because in theory, it made sense because UCF wasn't playing anyone taller than six foot six most of the second half. And in theory, made sense. Get Let's get the ball to DeAndre in the post. He's actually got a size advantage down there. Let's let him go to work. And it didn't work out. DeAndre missed a couple jumpers too during those last five minutes. Um, in addition to the plays you mentioned earlier, but I just, I I didn't understand why they slowed it down so soon. It's one thing to do with like a minute and a half left, but like five minutes was obviously way too soon to do it. I, 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 that was the part that bothered me more than anything is like they got the lead playing one way and then like went away from it down the stretch. Yeah, no, that's, Um, that's, and that, that felt like, and, and, you know, in a vacuum, Losing in double overtime at UCF is not, you know, that's, you know, whatever. But this can't be looked at in a vacuum. It's looked at in, you know, conjunction with what they've done the last few weeks and also what they've got left, which is not a lot of opportunities like the one they just, you know, wasted essentially or kind of gave away at UCF. And so um, now that being said, I'm not one of those people who's, you know, because they lost that game, I'm saying they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. I, you know, I, I would still, if you were to like put a gun to my head and said, are they going to make the NCAA tournament? I think I'd still say yes. I think I'd be in that, that company, but they are not where they said they wanted to be. Um, you know, they didn't want, like, this is like last year. Now, this is a team that is going to have to scratch and claw and win and string together a lot of wins here over the next two months in order to feel comfortable come Selection Sunday. And we heard from Penny Hardaway before the season started. That was not the goal. That was not what this team was brought together to do. That was not why they put the schedule uh, together that they put together. The thought was, we're going to be a team that's playing for seeding at the end of the year that's not going to be on the bubble again. And the truth is, this is a team that I think is going to be on the bubble basically the remainder of the season. Yes, I think so too. Um, And it's a team that, you know, probably is going to have to, you know, a month ago, they, uh, uh, you know, one of their contributors, Malcolm Dandridge, who'd been playing well, goes down and you know they've sort of had to rejigger some things uh on the fly a little bit it was the same like he goes out the same game they get demarie franklin so they had to like sort of uh uh, they sort of had to figure some things out here over the last few weeks um without malcolm dandridge and and uh, listen it it looked terrible like 
Penny, Penny, the way it, it wasn't so much what he said last night about Alex Lomax going down with that groin injury. It was more how he said it. Like he was, he, he goes, look, I, I, I mean, I, I asked him, how's Alex? And he goes, man, he's bad. Like, it's not good. And, and like, that's what, that's how, that's how I mean, I felt. he, he told Wolo, he's definitely not playing against Temple. And he made it seem like this is going to be a, you know, this is not like uh wake up in the morning and get some treatment and maybe, you know, your day to day type of injury. He did not. Yeah. No. Penny did not seem like that, that. He thought that this, that was the case. Felt like Look, he I would be, felt like he's preparing for Alex to be out an extended amount of time. I would be, I Googled it in the moment because I had gotten like a note. Somebody sent me a note on Twitter that it looked like, reading lips it looked like uh alex said it popped and so i googled uh groin tear because he's been dealing with this for a few weeks now um and i googled it like i I googled um groin tear recovery timeline and it said typically four to eight weeks for uh for that sort of thing now don't know yet for sure if that's indeed what he's dealing with i kind of again it didn't look just like your garden variety like cramp or uh you know uh he he reacted really really strongly and so i i would i would if i were a memphis fan i'd be preparing you know kind of along the same lines as what penny is i'd be preparing for you know for for a pretty extended amount of time uh without alex so they're going to have to do that again, is my point. Like a month ago, they lost Malcolm and they had to sort of figure some different things out. I think that's what's going to end up happening here with Alex. They're going to have to, with him, with him, you know, potentially probably being out for a while, um, they're going to have to, you know, adapt and, and try to overcome. And that is, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be yet another challenge thrown on them. Like, like, so they, they definitely, you know, it's still not go. It's just not going to be smooth sailing the rest of the way. They have 14 regular season games left starting Sunday at Temple. And, uh, you know, like you got to win <laughs> pretty much. They went 13 and three to close the year last year. Did that include the, the conference tournament? Do you remember? Um, well, they started nine and eight. So yes, yeah. that that included the conference tournament, I believe, and, and the NCAA tournament, I think, as well. So mm-hmm. um, that would mean they had one loss, uh, like over a certain stretch. Yeah, they only lost last year. Remember, they only lost to SMU down the. They lost to SMU, then they lost to Houston in the tournament AAC tournament finals, and then Gonzaga. There you go. So. You know, it's going to take. Honestly, that's how like I feel. It's going to take a something similar to that. And, you know, they've done it before, but this is a different team. You know, we talk about it all the time, uh, how different this team is. Um, they can really, really score points, but they have trouble <laughs> stopping the other team from scoring points. They gave up 16 three-pointers, granted, two overtimes, but they gave up 16 three-pointers last night. I looked at it today. The percentage of points on three-pointers that Memphis opponents are scoring this so far this season of Memphis opponents' points are coming off three-pointers, and that is like the 50th worst 
uh, ratio in the country. Um, you know, like it's it's a problem, and they've got to they've got to do something to get it figured out. No, well, it's not going. I mean, Lomax's injury is not going to help because the problem no. is they can't stay in front of guys on the perimeter, and it's creating driving kick situations where. You know, it's leading to a lot of open three pointers. Um, and to your point, and, and here is the well. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, you know, there's 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 been a lot of uh, noise and and chatter um, lately about the about Penny's uh, reluctance or reticence to play Ko and Jonathan Lawson. Yeah, in the uh, in in you know more. It got it got much louder definitely last night, um, and I'll just yeah. give the context. I'll let you talk. But like Ko obviously played pretty well in the first half, gave them a spark uh, when they came back from that nineteen six deficit, uh, and then did not play the entire second half or um, or the overtimes. Jonathan Lawson uh, played a little bit in the first half, then came in when when. Once Lomax went down and DeAndre Williams fouled out and uh, yeah, and Keontae Kennedy uh, fouled out, Jonathan Lawson came in, actually hit like a three that, you know, kept them a lot, you know, kept them on life support, so to speak, in double overtime. Um, yep. But ultimately, yes, he was, it's very clear, he does not completely trust either of those guys, Penny Hardaway. Yeah, so, you know, like, it. I just think it's, easier to when things aren't going well or when things don't go the way you want them to go it's easy to be like well you should have played the guy who can hit three pointers more and you should have played the guy who's 611 and can jump out of the gym more because he had three blocks in a six minute or eight minute stretch in the first half i, I just think that's oversimplifying the situation like ko played well in the first half, largely because UCF wasn't trying to hit three-pointers. They were trying to work the ball inside, and K.O. made them pay. Like, if they were trying to shoot three-pointers with K.O. on the floor, it's not going to go well for Memphis. Now, it didn't go well for Memphis the way as, as it played out, but um, – and then the other thing is, like, yes, Jonathan Lawson is probably – if he's not your – Best chance at a three-pointer. He's like 1A, 1B, somewhere in there. Like, Keontae had a couple of good ones last night. Um, you know, Kendrick, histor- like, traditionally uh, has been better than what he has been lately. Um, so, so like, but we don't want to talk about the – it was late, I think, in the second overtime, or maybe it was the first overtime – uh, the guy uh, for UCF who came off the bench, um, PJ, I can't remember his last name, name, PJ something, but he hit a couple of big threes uh, in overtime. PJ Edwards. PJ Edwards. There you go. There you go. PJ Edwards. I, I was looking at a highlight today where he hit a three in the corner in transition where he was, there was nobody within 10 feet of him. Yes, and, I remember that. And, you know, like Kendrick is like, like, the UCF guys bringing the ball up the court. Uh, Jonathan has Jonathan Lawson has his blinders on on that guy. Meanwhile, Kendrick is like sort of trailing the ball handler, and he's motioning for Jonathan to go to the corner and get get PJ uh, covered. 
He doesn't. They kick it to PJ. PJ puts it in, and 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 they're they're off to the races. And it's another sort of dagger. Um, you know, it's just there. Are, I think I think people aren't giving not just Penny but the coaching staff enough credit that there are reasons why there are reasons why they don't why the KOs of the world and the Jonathan Lawsons of the world aren't getting as much playing time as they are now. I, I would I would look at I it like I, this. I, I, I don't think, think personnel more playing time. I just don't know that, you know, situationally, I don't know, you know, it's it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Yeah. No, I don't I had no real problem. Like it did like I think the people who are saying you should have played KO more in the second half, you should have played KO more, you should be playing Jonathan Lawson more. Like I don't necessarily disagree with that from a macro right. perspective. Like right, overall, I, yeah. um, I didn't really have like personnel was not what bothered me. Like the lineups he played was not really that. It, it didn't bother me in that game. It was it was the strategic execution. It was DeAndre Williams fouling out again. It was yep. Kendrick Davis on that last shot of regulation, you know, taking a settling for a step back three instead of attacking the basket. It was yeah. little things like that strategically almost where I, I re- that, that bothered me in terms of, you know, you gave a game away um, because like all the people who are saying you got, you had to play, you should have played Jonathan more. You should have played Kale more. Well, they weren't playing them the first 15 minutes of the second half and it was working pretty well. Um, right. You know, like, I just don't know if bringing KO in the game after he hadn't played for the first 15 minutes of the second half was going to, was going to like save them from collapsing. Same for, same goes for Jonathan Lawson. Because again, UCF's trying to get back into this game. They're down double digits. They're, they're doing more along the perimeter and it just, you know, like the, KO's not a perimeter defender. He's just not. And uh, uh, if you try to get him away from the basket on defense, uh, they're going to blow by him. It just is what it is. They're going to blow by him, and they're going to get an easy basket up under, you know, you know, at the at the at the uh, at the rack. And um, so, you know, I just think it's. I, I again, I'll go back to the point that I was trying to, that, I, that I made before. I do think that KO and Jonathan Lawson probably they deserve more playing time but to just say that to just to just stop there is oversimplifying things like they deserve more playing time in in certain situations and you know maybe they maybe they haven't been played uh as much as they should be in those certain situations i'm not saying that that's uh that that that's not right but um but you know, last night in in double overtime, uh, it wasn't. It was. It, it's not just as simple as saying they should have played more, and Memphis would have won. That's 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 not what that's that's not how uh, how that works. Yeah. So um, here they are. They're a team that you know, as we've noted, is more unreliable defensively than maybe any team Penny Hardaway's had. Certainly the most unreliable since his first team at Memphis. They struggle rebounding. Um, They're not a great outside shooting team. 
They're dealing with injuries. However, they've got a superstar point guard who can put up 30, 40 points if you need need him to. They have a couple role player, like a role player in like, for instance, Elijah McCadden, who really seems to be coming into his own. Um, you know, Keontae Kennedy played well last night, I thought as well. Um, you know, um, and they've got, you know, they've shown moments where they look really good, including last night. Um, but they're also now 12 and five, two and two in league play. And two and three in their two and two, one and two in their last three games. Yeah. Um, lost two or three. And um, they're now probably just on the outside of the, the of the bubble after, you know, most of this so far this season feeling like they were on track, you know, to be comfortably in the tournament field. And, you know, it's January 12th when we're recording this. There's a lot of basketball to be played still. Um, but again, it's just it's not the position they were hoping to be in at this point. Um, and so I'm curious from your perspective, Jason. How do they, you know, because I, I don't think these flaws that they have, the 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 defense, the rebounding, the outside shooting, I don't know if you're going to be able to just, like, solve that. You know, like, the, maybe the defense can get better. You know, maybe you can rebound a little better, especially once Malcolm Dandridge comes back. Um, you know, maybe outside shooting you can, you can raise a little bit. You know, you can, you know, like, but... I don't think you're just going to, those flaws are their flaws ultimately. And it's about figuring out how to cover them up enough. If that makes sense. And I'm curious how you think that looks moving forward. How do they react to this rough patch? Um, Is it just going to be like that? You know, are they able to get on a roll again or is this, or are they destined to be kind of up and down the rest of the way? No, I think they can. I mean, I, I still look. The bottom line here is, okay, loss is a loss. But if we're going to do that, then a win is a win. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, no, the, the loss is the loss. But but you, so so they lost by two, right, or three against UCF. They mm-hmm. lost, I believe, by seven to Tulane. They lost by three to Alabama. They lost by one to Seton Hall. They lost by six to St. Louis. Like they're not getting blown out. Um the same way they're not really blowing anybody out. So I what I'm trying to get at is I I I believe that this team is t- talented enough to go on a run. But it's not going to be it's not going to feel good. I don't think, I think it's going to be, you know, I think people are going to have knots in their stomachs, um, for a while, you know, like possibly the rest of the season. Um, so it's not going to be smooth, but I do think that there's a chance with 14, if we're talking about the next 14 games to end the season, uh, like I still believe that, They've got as good a chance as last year's team had of going 13 and three, of going 12 and two, maybe even 13 and one. I mean, like. You believe that? Because this team's not as good as last year's team, like from a talent and on court standpoint. Like, they do not have the personnel last year. Like, last year's team's problem 
was chemistry and injuries. It was not like ultimately once they got on the court, like, you know, like that, that would be the concern is that personnel wise, this team is not last year's team. They just aren't. That may be, but this league is not last year's league either. Like let's sort of broaden the, widen the lens and look at it more, you know, like, look, let's talk about that. Um, but the, see my, my, and the other thing about last year's team, it was all, it was injuries. Like you said, uh, it was chemistry. Like you said, it was also like, there were a lot of moments last year, last season that got Memphis in trouble where, where it was like low basketball IQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I'll bring up the end of the Georgia game, for instance, which is still one of the more inexplicable losses um, like Georgia was missing its starting point guard and he was all Georgia had that guy. I don't remember his name, but he was, they were, they were missing him. And because Imani Bates didn't know how to defend without fouling at the three point line against a guy who couldn't shoot threes, uh, or who wasn't shooting three pointers very well, they lost that game. Um, so like, I feel like this team is a much smarter team. Mm-hmm. Even though they don't, even though they can't really defend without fouling either, um, I do feel like overall this is a much more higher basketball IQ team. So yeah, I mean, like they're down to one more game against UCF. That's at home. They're down to one more game against Tulane. That's at home, and they got two games against Houston. Now, sure, they still got two games against Cincinnati, and, and like I agree, this league is still underrated to a certain extent um no you're right if you go by if you go by ken palm last year at the end of the year the league had seven eight teams within the top 116 in ken palm and this year right now the league has has six teams within the top 115 of ken palm so um it's not quite as good uh, it's right. not quite as deep as it was last year. Um, but I don't know. At the same time, you know, they've struggled to beat ECU and Tulane. Like, it's not like a given. I think the next, you know, because it's interesting to me when you look at the schedule moving forward, you know, they don't really have the, the key stretch of the season is probably going to be. And I say probably because who knows how before that goes is probably they play when they they play UCF at home, like right before Valentine's Day, and then they have at Houston and at Wichita State and Cincinnati at home, and then Houston again. I'm I'm missing some games, but their last five six games of the year are going to be when they next have kind of big opportunities. By yeah. and large, over the next month or so, it's more games where it's you know it's mostly games where it's just like. If Memphis wins, it's not really going to move the needle. But if they lose, it'll be pretty terrible. Like it could be, yep. it could, it could doom them in some, you know, that's, you know, because the teams aren't very good. Starting with um, Sunday's game against Temple, even though it's on the road. But you go at Temple, then Wichita State next Thursday at home, a bad Wichita State team this year. And then at Cincinnati a week from Sunday, um, and then SMU at home and at Tulsa on the road before you get a rematch with Tulane to start February. But like the rest of the month of January, other than the at Cincinnati game, 
you know, it'd be pretty catastrophic to lose any of the games the rest of January. And frankly, given what you've done now to start conference play, you know, I'd argue, you know, probably want to win that at Cincinnati game. Like, I don't think you want to let, like, Cincinnati is actually one of the few teams in the league with, like, a chance to maybe, I don't think they will move into the top 75 of the net, but they have a chance. You know, they're up at 87 now uh, after last, they, they blew out ECU. Um, and right. that's a road game. Like, it's actually a quad two game for sure, probably, at Cincinnati. You probably want to win that. Um, so, like, these next five are going to tell us, I think, how serious this team is. Because I think if they're a tournament team, honestly, you probably want to win all five of them. Yeah, I agree. And don't sleep on uh, uh, don't sleep on South Florida now. You saw uh, Houston uh, struggled at home against South Florida last uh, last night. Yeah, Tyler Harris at thirty one. Yes, they did. Yeah. So, um, um, but yeah, then you got yeah. Tulane on February fourth at South Florida, February eighth, and then Temple at home, February twelfth. It's a stretch where, like, honestly, you could very easily see them going on an eight game winning streak. But then you could also see if they go, even if they go like six and two over that stretch, well, that's going to be, that's going to, that's not going to be good, you know, ultimately for the resume. If you, you know, like that's, that's where they're at now. That's the spot they've put themselves in. They still, there's a very feasible path to be in the tournament again. There's also a very feasible path where they don't make the tournament. Right. Yes, I agree. And like I said, I, I, the, 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 the thing that I'm most confident about, as far as the rest of the season goes, is that whatever happens, it's not going to go smoothly. I think it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing. Uh, you tell the me there's going to be a lot of nights like last night. We can have more three-hour games, months. Is that what you're saying? God, I hope I hope not, because that was, <laughs> like, my day started so poorly yesterday like i was supposed to fly out of memphis at 704 and get to orlando at 105 or something like that mm. and like what a nightmare scenario like i was talking to a pilot who told me that uh he's been doing it for 30 years and never never seen any sort of instance where a computer glitch forced the 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 the, the entire country to and not only this country also canada to shut down its airspace completely just because of a computer computer glitch. Wild. A lot of nervous uh, nervous moments for me, uh, thinking I might not get to Orlando on time. Not only not only got, I did fortunately get there on time, um, but then yes, the the marathon game and uh, man, long day. But, yeah, well, it's uh, you know, and uh, it ended with a Tigers loss, but. All is not lost just yet. Um, we will make we will be chronicling everything over at commercialappeal.com through the ups and hopefully not too many more downs. Um, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's going to be an interesting next couple months for this team. A, a lot different than it seemed a few weeks ago um, because of what's happened here. But um, you know, we'll see. Starts with the Temple game Sunday uh, on the road. Uh, against a Temple team, I believe has eight losses already. You know, it was so, some people expected more from them this year because they returned quite a bit, but uh, yeah. they have not uh, play, performed all that well so far this season. They're coming off 
a they beat Tulsa uh, well, on they're, Tuesday. They're four, ba- they're four and one in the conference. They are. That's true. They they've beaten ECU. They beat. They got a good win over Cincinnati. They won at South Florida and they won at Tulsa. So they've got three of their four wins are against you know kind of the three teams expected to be among the worst in the league. But nonetheless. Correct. It's a road game against a team that seems to have found itself a little bit. So um, that's uh, something. Uh, yeah, this is not a game Memphis can lose, though. Ultimately, I know it's it's on the road. Whatever. Like, you, given what's happened, uh, you cannot lose this game. So uh, we we will have plenty of coverage of that game and more. Uh, everything Tiger basketball related over at commercialpill.com. Muns will be chronicling everything. I'll be writing columns. We got the podcast, obviously. So uh, make sure you're checking it out. Uh, Till next week, I was Mark. That was Jason. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we don't have any more double overtimes in our future. That was that was rough. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.